Mixed reports about Madonna's health. Was she revived by a life-saving injection? Did Ariana Grande really lip-sync to Padam Padam? And guess which Kylie album is the same age as Lizzo? It's about damn time. My name is Tim. Take my hand. Tell me what you were feeling. Let's walk into the fortress together. Coming to you from the mountain fortress of pop culture. You're listening to Time to Talk. Padam, Padam, I hear it and I know. Padam, Padam, I know you want to take me home. Well, hello and welcome to The Fortress. I'm really looking forward to spending a little bit of time together with you. You can find us on social media, by the way. A lot of you already have. Time to Talk Australia on Facebook and Instagram. You can also look us up on The Golden Age of Pop Culture. And just a quick note, if you're listening to us via YouTube, that's fantastic. Hello. But you can get even more sophisticated. You can find our podcast on all great podcast streaming services. I'm a little bit suspicious and upset with iHeart at the moment because it seems that some countries can't get all the podcasts there. So look us up on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all those other great places where you can get podcasts. Time to talk Australia. You're looking for a little icon of a microphone. Well, this weekend there is growing frustration among Madonna fans, even those ones who tore shreds off me for last week's podcast. Even they are saying, okay, we definitely need to start hearing something from her management about her health. There's all this kind of mixed messaging, isn't there, about the tour and about her health as well. One is definitely more important than the other, and we fans... We're not looking to pry, but we would like to know that she's doing okay. The best we've got is Rosie O'Donnell saying that she's doing okay. Speculation on the ground was that she had actually had a drug overdose. That's what people were saying. And then the media reported, again unverified, that she was actually revived via an injection. Now, if this is true... A Narcan injection is actually the same emergency drug that is used to revive heroin users following drug overdoses. So potentially someone who responded to her medically may have let slip that she was revived using this injection. And people have then run with that and thought, okay, it must have been an overdose. However, it is also commonly used to combat the effects of septic shock which is what I was talking about in the podcast last week. I was saying, geez, the first thing that occurred to me was that something had ruptured, and that can happen. One of her implants or something had actually got into her bloodstream causing sepsis. It's looking more and more likely that sepsis is at the heart of this. It makes sense, doesn't it? It makes sense with the symptoms that have been described. It makes sense with the ICU. It makes sense with now the injection, which was reportedly used to bring her to. The problem we have, of course, is that there is radio silence from her team. We're getting told by 
Some people who seem to be in the know that she's very weak and tired. We heard that she was vomiting uncontrollably when she first got home. We do know she is at home because there have been paparazzi photos of Rocco and David arriving there to visit her. There were also reports that she's holding bedside meetings about the tour, that she still doesn't want to cancel the tour at all. She wants to stick to that start date, which seems utterly ludicrous, of course. And at the time of recording, I believe it might have been sorted out, but there was mixed messaging coming from ticketing agencies, just to make matters a little bit worse, about whether or not certain concerts had or had not been cancelled. Of course, everything has been postponed for the time being. So why do you think her manager, Guy, hasn't released any further information? He released that original statement, good on him, letting us know something had happened. By the way, I don't know about you, but I was amazed that they kept it under wraps for so long. She had been in hospital for days before the world found out. But the question now is, should we be allowed to hear something about how she is? Now, for any of you who work in public relations or any sort of profession where messaging, outward-facing messaging, is important, you know that silence is usually an instigator to gossip, speculation, and untruth. And that's exactly what's happening. We're hearing all kinds of wild and crazy stories about Madonna's health at the moment. So handing over a skerrick at this stage would be smart surely, to quash those rumours about what is going on. Not to mention the fact that many of us, myself included, were really rocked. Uh, I still get goosebumps thinking about it. To wake up and see Madonna unresponsive rush to hospital as the headline, the first thing you see when you open your phone, puts everything in perspective. What she means to you, how much of an impact she's had, how important she is in your world. So even if it's not to be smart, come on, guy, release something. The fans truly do care for her and they want to know that she's okay. Just say that. Make no mistake, I'm not saying they have to say exactly why she went to hospital. I'm not saying they need to give us all her full medical history and the current details of what's going on. But let us know she's okay. It doesn't have to be a photo of her in her bed, surrounded by her loving family. It just has to be, hey, she's doing okay, and she's looking forward to talking to you all again. So listen, I was really excited to exchange a few messages with Liberty King. Now, she's a participant of another great podcast called MLVC. Many of you will know it, especially if you're a Madonna fan, you almost certainly will know it. Liberty is... Uh, look... Liberty, I don't mean to embarrass you, but I am a fanboy of yours. You're the sane, rational, kind voice in that podcast most of the time. I just love how calm you remain, even in the face of some pretty passionate conversation. I I don't know, you're sort of hypnotic. I love, I love listening to you on the podcast. Now, Liberty cautions us all against speculating about her health. Consider the source, she says. I love the fact that she metaphorically wears a what would Madonna do bracelet around her wrist, um, because that's very similar to me with some stars. I like to think, what would that person do? That person who inspires me, what would they do in this situation in my life? 
And for those of us with very ordinary lives, let's face it, like what would Madonna do while this woman with a big trolley is hogging the whole aisle while I'm really needing to get out of this supermarket? And I do consider what Madonna would do, and then I always ultimately think it would be much wiser to consider what Kylie might do in that situation. Nonetheless, Liberty has been kind enough to share some thoughts with us. Do check out the podcast that she's part of, MLVC. I must admit, I'm a little bit disappointed in that podcast just at the moment. I'll always be a listener of it, but recently they made this stunning admission that they haven't always told the truth because... They've been hoping Madonna might listen to it and somehow agree to be on it or meet with them or something like that. That was a sideways comment in one of their recent podcasts that floored me, to be honest. So grab your cup of tea, grab your cup of coffee. Let's have a little listen to what Liberty had to say. Hey, everybody. This is Liberty King, one of the co-hosts of MLVC, the Madonna podcast. I've been a Madonna fan since first hearing Lucky Star as a young girl in the early 80s. Following Madonna's career, I have always supported her and believed in her completely. She has taught me so much about resilience and about strength. And oftentimes before I do anything, I ask myself, what would Madonna do? I have recorded cover versions of her songs, both for public consumption and private joy, and I've seen her live 13 times. With the celebration tour, I hope to make it to 20 lifetime shows. It's not much in comparison to some fans, but it is as much as my humble life will allow. I've been so thankful for the lessons I've learned from her and that I have grown to understand through her art how to work hard, how to love, how to be an ally and an ardent supporter of marginalized communities, and to speak out and have no fear. All that said, my first reaction to the news last week was strictly concern for her health. As a working mother myself, I know that when you are suddenly faced with an illness you weren't counting on, in the midst of one of the busiest times in your life, your first instinct is to push through it. You don't want to let anyone down or change course, and you think there's too much on the line for any pause whatsoever, even as you are barely able to lift a finger. I don't pretend to know what it is like being Madonna, but I share the human experience in the sense that oftentimes it is just too hard to admit you are feeling a certain fragility. I can only imagine the toll this takes on a person who shoulders not only her personal life, but that of hundreds if not thousands of others. My one great hope is that she takes the time necessary to heal and to teach us all once again a lesson in resilience. It is understandable that many fans are in a tizzy about potential postponement or cancellations as some have invested a great deal of money or planned vacations around the shows. However, we are not privy to the details of her ailment and we cannot know just what her recovery will entail. All of our energies should go to wrapping Madonna in healing light and not regaling her to a commodity. In speculation, I have imagined that the initial shows could be rescheduled for some point in 2024, meaning any of the shows for the U.S. up to October. If she is well enough, she could begin the tour in Europe and come back to the originally scheduled shows in the U.S. with potential for the reschedules at that time. By and large, I have no idea what that entails, but I have read articles indicating there are deposits and contracts to rework, as well as making up for lost rehearsal time. Finally, 
I just want to say, please remember that while we are looking for any source that may have insight into what may be wrong with Madonna or the gravity of her situation, we should be discerning with the sources and consider that not everything we see in media or social media commentary is truthful or accurate. I myself have no insider knowledge. I am just a big fan with a lot of love for the Queen, and I respect her right to privacy, even as the most famous woman in the world. Liberty, you are so wise. Thank you so much for that. It's much appreciated. Believe it or not, there are some fans who are still wondering if that show will get off on time or maybe just have a minor delay. I tend to agree with Liberty. I think it's much more likely all going well with her health that it will resume next year. Okay, and that's okay. Imagine, imagine the applause for this lady when she hops back on the stage. But for those of you who know anything about intubation, you would know that it takes quite a long time for the voice to heal alone. We do know she was in the ICU. So she did have a breathing tube pass through her throat and larynx, and it absolutely would have caused a degree of swelling um, and irritation. I had, I've had it myself. It's usually the last thing you're worried about when you've had a major health scare, but it is one of those things that you go, wow, my, my voice, this is not what I sound like. It's all that mucus that keeps the vocal folds moist they've they become thickened uh, the good news is that although the voice usually does sound different for people if they've had that tube inserted it's usually a very temporary situation but certainly they'd be telling her not to talk not to, certainly not to sing at this stage so we need to keep our expectations realistic now look i've had so many messages over the past week since the last podcast the vast majority of them, even though I, I harked on a little bit about those vicious ones, because you can't help it. There's nothing like getting the C word uh, sent to you <laughs> repeat, repeatedly over the course of a week. But the majority of messages have been just people wanting to give their views about Madonna. That They're concerned about her. Glenn from Canada is one of those people. Let's have a listen to what Glenn had to say. Hi everyone from the Time to Talk family and to Australia. Uh, this is Glenn from Canada and I'm a Madonna fan since about 1984, uh, basically when I heard Like a Virgin in my mother's womb, well, almost that time. Uh, obviously, it's a difficult time for Madonna fans. Um, we hope that she's healing well from her serious bacterial infection. It's frustrating to try and sift through what seems like legitimate news stories and tabloid journalism, which sensationalizes what happens with questionable sources, uh, and then having that repeated as fact by others, uh, and then seeing really frankly nasty and vicious comments left by assholes on social media. All we can say for now is it's a good sign that she's been released from ICU and trusted friends are saying that she's stronger and healing well. I do know that, uh, I do hope that that's the case, but we until we see that or hear that from her directly, her condition is still going to be uncertain. So it's, you know, a worrisome time for sure. I'm sure fans are upset about the tour being postponed, but... I'm also sure that everyone really just wants her to take it easy and, you know, get well. But she is strong. She's always has been physically fit. 
and but she's also not 30 or 40 anymore and this is just going to be a harder thing to uh to beat <sighs> frankly honestly for the tour i'd be happy if she just sat on a stool <laughs> and sang with half naked dances around her uh, but I don't think that that's the type of show that she wants to put on. So she's going to push herself um, and just hopefully she does, uh, she does it uh, with her health in mind. If Madonna were to ever hear anything um, that I'm saying today, I hope that she'd um, know that sort of despite the noise and all the nastiness that's out there, and there's a lot of it, uh, that there are also many, many people who just love her and are so grateful for her, for her artistry, her music, and also her allyship, uh, supporting, you know, all sorts of communities over the years. The impact that she's had, not only in the music industry, but also with just the many people she's inspired to, you know, express herself, uh, is a legacy that she can certainly be proud of. And I hope that she is. Uh, Madonna, we love you, Queen, and just get well soon. Shout out to you, Glenn. Thank you so much for sending through your thoughts. And of course, Glenn is from Canada, where the tour was set to kick off. So there's a really special connection for people like Glenn with Madonna's current circumstances. Now, as we all know, Madonna is huge in South America. I mean, for God's sake, she played Eva Peron, didn't she? So, Diego from Argentina, he too is really concerned about Madonna. Hi everybody, I'm Diego from Buenos Aires and the reason I am worried about Madonna and this whole situation is because of all the silence around it, you know. We have no serious confirmation. I, I'm not saying anything new but I think we need some some announcement some announcement some I don't I'm not asking for a life proof but you know like a video or an audio I, I understand that but some communication with the fans because it's really distressing okay thank you for this opportunity big hugs from Argentina to all of you and we will rest with her, and she will be fine. Good on you, Diego, from Argentina. Thank you for sending that through. And you do speak for the majority of us. You're not asking for life proof. We don't need Madonna holding today's edition of the Daily Mail up so that we can verify that it's her and when the photo was taken. But please, a plea to Madonna's management, let us know something because it's starting to become concerning. Let's just take a moment together now, shall we, to remind ourselves of one of the many reasons why we love Madonna so much. Oh. 
Sometimes amateurs know best, and a lack of professionalism is all you'll hear on the Time to Talk show. Join Tim and his panel of guests as they wade their way through a range of news, music, and pop culture treats. Time to Talk, the show hosted by amateurs for unprofessional listeners. I'm having a gooseberry and cinnamon yogurt. Who wants a gooseberry and cinnamon yogurt? Chloe, would you like a gooseberry and cinnamon yogurt? Yes, please. Okay, so you know that you and I love a good statistic, especially when it comes to the success of Kylie at the moment and Padam Padam, and it's still blowing up the world. It really is. Padam Padam has just passed 32.5 million streams at the time of recording, and her monthly listeners have now surpassed 15 million and proof positive that people are revisiting Kylie in all kinds of ways. A lot of people who are not just revisiting her, but are finding out who she is for the very first time. I'm finding in the United States, it feels like there are people in their early 30s and upwards who are actually thinking, wow, how do we miss her all this time? How exciting is that? I've got to say, it's really interesting. The top five most streamed Spotify Kylie songs at the moment, obviously top of the list is Padam, but, which by the way, somebody told me in Russian means falling, falling? What does Padam mean in Russian? Do you know? Can't Get You Out of My Head is obviously the second most streamed song. In Your Eyes is at number four. Locomotion, the original, well, not the original, ah, I owe myself a dollar. The Stock Aiken Waterman version of the locomotion, locomotion, of course they had to hyphenate it. God, you British people are strange sometimes. But And by the way, they, they were very rude, Stock Aiken and Waterman, about, about the original Australian version, which is far superior. They said it was awful, hideous, horrendous, and they had to re-record it. Not only did they re-record it, but they hyphenated it. When we all know the truth, well, first of all, I love Pete Waterman, but gee, he's a storyteller. Go and listen to his stories. They change over time. So Pete Waterman claims it was because it was a hideous version. Who knows? There might be a nugget of truth in that, as with most things that Pete says. But the real reason is royalties. They re-recorded it for royalties. What was my original point? Where was I going with this? The fifth most streamed song on Spotify is The Locomotion, which I find interesting. I don't know why. I... Would, if somebody had asked me to guess, you know, the top five, I never would have had the locomotion in there. What would you think should be in the top five? Now, listen, a lot of you will be screaming out, confide in me, all the lovers. You know, you've all got your favourites. I'm not asking for that. What would you expect if somebody asked you to gamble your firstborn child on writing the top five most streamed Kylie songs on Spotify in 2023? What would you have thought would be there? I'm really surprised Love at First Sight isn't up there. Um, Because if you're going to do this sort of little exercise with me, you've got to consider logic, not your heart, which Kylie fans are not known for. They, They speak with their heart, not with their heads. Where does that come from? You have to deal with my mind and not my lips. You have to deal with my mind and not my lips. That's Tootsie. I don't know how. That had a funny rhythm. That was similar. I think I'm losing my mind. But I'm surprised Love at First Sight isn't there, because if you're using logic, 
then you need to consider that uh, that was big in the United States. And the United States, I mean, boy, they stream like nothing else. And of course, that really awful version of Can't Get You Out of My Head with Peggy something or Peggy Magnum ice cream, whatever her name was. Um, yeah, so look, what would you say? I'm curious to know. Leave a comment. What would your logical mind say should be in the top five? So did you see that clip of Ariana Grande lip-syncing? Padam, padam. I watched it and something felt a bit off about it. And it still does. Then when I showed it to the kids, the first thing Miss 13 said was, is that AI? Is that really Ariana? I, I do love Ariana, it's true, but at the moment she's the last thing on my mind in this Padam era. But, of course, the only thing I thought was fantastic. This is more streams. This is more exposure. This is a really great nod to Kylie from someone who is absolutely massive. And unless you can tell me otherwise, the other thing that Miss 13 told me when she went investigating if it was an AI-generated thing or not was it's not on her feed. It's a TikTok video, and it's not on her feed. The one that I was looking at came from somewhere else. So Miss 13 went onto Ariana's TikTok page and couldn't find it there. Conspiracy. Conspiracy. So last week, you and I spoke about that new remix that had come out at that stage, the Jack Jones, Jax Jones remix of Padam Padam. Not too bad at all. Really quite liked it. This week... We have yet another remix has dropped, and it is just, I mean, first of all, I can't even get the name right as far as I can tell. Is it the All Weekend Remix? Is that what we're meant to call it? Or are we meant to call it the Absolute Remix? Did you get really stumped by this over the past few days? Were you desperately searching the internet for the Weekend Remix and the Absolute Remix and listening to them and going, hang on, that sounds so similar to the other one, only to finally realise that they're one in the same. Some of you out there will like it, but what was it? Doof, 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 padam. Doof, 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 padam. Doof, 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 padam. I mean, frankly, I'd rather listen to Sophie Hillis-Baxter. I mean, it was just, bleh, yuck, I don't like it. No, don't like it. So I'm really looking forward to the remix that kills and slays. I don't think it's coming, my friends. I don't think it's coming. Because if it was in the pipe, they would have pushed it out now because, you know, Padam needs to be kept alive. And how do they do that now? Performance, TikTok, and remixes. That's how they keep it alive. So I don't think the epic one is on its way. Look, we got the extended mix. We got, you know, we, we got something and that's good. Remember back in the day when you were buying the PWL CD singles? You know, there were brilliant remixes back then, but not every time. Sometimes you just wouldn't get what you were after. You'd get 50 dub mixes that just left you frustrated. Padam era, I fear, is going to be the same. We're just going to have to accept that... We're not going to get brilliant remixes or a different sort of sound. I like the remixes when they take the song and they reinvent it into a completely different sound, not just add doof beats. Do you want me to do that again, by the way? Because I know some of you didn't get enough of it last time. Doof, 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 
Now, we already know she's all but confirmed that she'll be doing a Vegas residency at some stage. And a few of you have reached out to me to say that, well, another bit of proof, Tim, is that she recorded so many songs with the word Vegas in it. Well, I don't know about so many. Yes, she certainly has recorded at least two. Um, One of them won't make the album. One of them will. I mean, look, I don't want to bore you like I do with anyone who knows me in real life. I've been following the construction. I hate saying it because it makes me sound like, I don't know, a geek or a nerd or something, but I've been following the construction of this sphere over in Las Vegas for years. Like YouTube, where's it up to? What have they done? And I'm usually not into that sort of tacky novelty stuff at all, but for some reason the sphere just got me going. Now if you don't know what the sphere is, I really encourage you to go and look it up. It's now open. Uh, it only just opened in the past week, I believe, and it's fucking mind-blowing. Uh, the, uh, the, ex- the, the outside of it alone, but that's not why I've been following it. The outside is the part that the tourists will look at, and I have to admit, I looked at it and went, oh, it's amazing. Like, it, it, it's just phenomenal, but the, it's the inside. If you go and see a concert at the Sphere, you're going to have a sound experience that you've never had before. I'm having a gooseberry and cinnamon yogurt. Who wants a gooseberry and cinnamon yogurt? Chloe, would you like a gooseberry and cinnamon yogurt? Yes, please. All right, now I want you to think about this. An unborn baby Lizzo was making her way out of the birth canal, slowly sliding her way out of her mother and into a soft, warm towel. And at the very same time, potentially, possibly, our Kylie may have been smiling as she autographed a copy of her very first album. The fantastic top-selling album from Kylie Minogue, featuring all the hits, I Should Be So Lucky. Got to be certain. The locomotion. Everybody's doing a brand dance now. Oh, and Jinna Sepa Complete your Christmas with Kylie Minogue on album, cassette, and compact disc, and now selected tracks are on a fabulous video. That's right, it's only just past the 35th anniversary of Kylie. I was really curious to know about your stories. My story with the first Kylie album was that I had won a Father's Day competition and I'd been watching Kylie on the TV. Uh, My sister bought the Locomotion 7-inch single and was playing that, the Australian version, the superior version. And there was this incredible, spiritual, inevitable connection. I remember when I won this Father's Day competition which came with a voucher for my dad to spend at Bondi Junction, well, they asked me, what would you like? And they actually said, think of something special. Think of something you're not... And I went through toys and food and can I have... Can I have 50 strawberry yogos? You know, all that stuff that a, a young kid would say, stupid stuff. And I don't even think it was me who suggested it, but they said, would you like that the new Kylie album? Because... They knew that I loved her from Neighbours and Henderson Kids and all of that. And it arrived on my bed. Into the cassette player it went and 
so many of you will relate to this, my life changed. I often wish, do you wish that you can go back and listen to or watch a show for the first time again? Because it's a totally different experience. I remember being really attuned to the synthesizers and the production of it. Like, it all seemed so magical to me. So over the past week, I have just been delighted to read and listen and watch the stories on social media from other fans about what this first album meant to them. And some of you have been so kind to share your stories and your memories and your experiences with this first very special album. The one where everyone went, oh, this is a flash in the pan, but we all knew better. But (laughs) thank you for all of you who have filled my cup over the past week by talking to me over social media or just posting your own posts, which I've had a really close read of about your memories because there's something really connected in that, isn't there? Have a listen to this story from Chris uh, from Brisbane, Australia, about his memories of the first Kylie album. Hi everyone, Chris from Brisbane here um, to share my thoughts uh, and my recollection of Kylie's original album. Um, I remember gardening with my dad one day as I often did in the 80s. Um, I was four years old. Um, My dad never gardened in the 80s without his wireless radio um, out in the garden. And I remember I should be so lucky came onto the radio. And um, I think that's the day (laughs) that my life changed. Um, I remember thinking, wow, and having grown up on such great, you know, Australian 80s classics being surrounded by, you know, your, your family and your parents at barbecues around that time, like you'd grown up on stuff that was so different, stuff that we all loved. But I remember I should be so lucky just sounding like nothing that I had uh, ever heard before. It was like something inside me had awoken as soon as I heard those quintessential um, 80s synths that, that Stockache and Waterman were were so well known for. I just, I thought it was the most amazing thing I'd ever heard. Um, anyway, followed by, you know, Gotta Be Certain came out. I fell in love with Gotta Be Certain. The video was fantastic. I just absolutely loved it. Um, I think it was Christmas 1988, um, after listening and listening and like I would sit by the radio and just wait to hear, I should be so lucky, got to be certain as the singles kind of came through, um, Christmas 1988, our household was absolute chaos. My mum was heavily pregnant with my youngest brother. They had decided to embark on a home improve, a home extension at the same time. We had no kitchen. We had no laundry. It was nuts. It was a chaotic time. Um, that Christmas I got from Santa a Sony boombox and to accompany my Sony boombox, I got for Christmas the uh, repackaged or reissued, if you like, Kylie collection, which, you know, I almost died that that Christmas morning being a five-year-old getting that. Um, I probably gave that cassette an absolute flogging. I still own it to this day. Um, The first piece of Kylie anything that I owned other than, you know, 80s magazine cutouts. And and there was so much of it at the time that this album was released. But um, my first cassette, my first Kylie anything I ever owned, um, my dad is still not admitted to this day during that chaotic period. I would sit in my bedroom and just play the Kylie collection from side A to side B, from side A to side B to side A. And it just kept going and going and going. Um, My dad still to this day has not admitted... um, to the fact that the cord to my boombox went missing for a very, very long time. And I'm sure that there's a reason 
for that back in the day. Um, still, uh, you know, I don't listen to it regularly these days. It still gets played quite a lot. I love the original Kylie album. There's nothing like it. Um, probably number one, when I've had far too much to drink or I've had a really bad day and need cheering up, um, I pop it back on. It It um, never fails to put me in a great mood and remind me of my childhood and the original Kylie that we all know and love. Chris, when I first heard that, I had goosebumps. It's... <laughs> such a familiar very Australian story too I think in some ways I love the fact that you're suspicious of that cord going missing because (laughs) there's no doubt you're right will he ever admit it thank you so much Chris for sharing in this 35 year anniversary all the vocals on this album were completely double tracked I think with the exception of look my way Did you know that despite all the love that Kylie has tweeted out about it recently, did you know that she actually really did not like it or was quite confronted by it when it was first released? I'm going to qualify a little bit of this by saying maybe if any of us recorded an album in that style where somebody went, hey, look, here's some words, get in that box, record. And a lot of this album was done like that. So maybe if any of us were put in that position... And then we heard it back, we'd be like, ooh. And you have to forgive me in advance because I have no choice but to read this in a very bad American accent because it is such an American article published in the LA Times in December of 1988. And the headline, Fame, Fortune and No Respect. Been a rich 20-year-old pop princess, a star on three continents isn't all it's cracked up to be. Just ask Kylie Minogue, the perky, personable Australian whose single, The Locomotion, shot into the top five in the Billboard magazine pop chart and was a smash in other countries as well. Another single, I Should Be So Lucky, from her Geffen Records debut album, Kylie, was also a fair-sized hit in this country and a chart topper in others. In Australia, Minogue is a superstar, one of those unfortunates who can't walk down the street without attracting a crowd of admirers. Back home, even before she started singing, she was a famed soap queen, co-star of Neighbours, a popular daily TV drama. Hers is not one of those tearful tales of a star burdened out by the rigors of celebrity. I like it when people know me, admitted Minogue in town recently as part of an international promotional tour. That doesn't really bother me. If she's comfortable with fame and fortune, then what's the problem? Lack of respect for her singing, as it turns out. Dance music fans who concentrate more on beat than vocals do love her, but among critics and industry colleagues, she's not known as a great singer. And that's because she isn't. I want to do better, said Minogue, who wants to be recognized for at least being a capable singer. If I'm given a chance, I can do better, but I know my limits. Minogue has been rudely indoctrinated into the sorority of female dance music pawns, vocalists who in the studio are treated by producers as just another instrument, secondary instruments at that. As Samantha Fox, a member of this sisterhood of maligned singers, cracked during a calendar interview last year, a drum machine gets more respect than a dance music artist. 
Pebbles, Jody Wheatley, Expose, Banana Rama are all members of this exclusive club that no one wants to join. Debbie Gibson and Vanessa Williams were in it briefly too, until they proved themselves. Minogue longs to join them as a dropout. Minogue, whose ace in the hole is an uncommonly pretty face, is small and frail looking. It would take a serious eating binge just to get her up to 90 pounds. Vocal power is not what you'd expect from someone like that. She doesn't even talk loudly. I'll be the first one to admit that I do need to work on my singing, she said. I could be stronger. But if she stays with the English production writing team of Mike Stock, Matt Aiken, and Waterman, the Svengali's of dance music who gave the world Fox, Banana Rammer, and Rick Astley, among many others, she won't have to learn to sing. Using a studio technique called double tracking, this combination is famous for adding muscle to thin vocals. Now, it's fashionable to knock these guys, particularly in England, where their sound is dominant. Say what you want about their dance music formula, but it works. And they have a stack of hit singles to prove it. Minogue went to them last year when she had to record an album to follow up the success of The Locomotion, which was one of the big hits of the decade in Australia. The first version and single was produced by Mike Duffy. Because of her work on the TV show, Minogue didn't have much time to do the album, which was recorded in London. I had to put myself in their hands, she said. They had already picked the songs and recorded the music tracks. I wanted to do something a little more daring, like maybe something R&B, but Pete Waterman didn't like the idea. The whole point of the album was to keep it very light, not get into any heavy statements, any themes that were too deep, and not to do anything that might turn off my fans. I have this following, mainly young girls. This album had to appeal to those fans. If my singing was too R&B, they wouldn't like it, I guess, she said. These producers think pop music is candy music. They're saying, here kids, have a piece of candy. The production team first aroused her ire when they forced her to redo the version of the locomotion that had been such a hit in Australia. She said, Pete Waterman hated it and wanted to totally change it, Minogue said. The original version by Little Eva was a sentimental favorite of his and he wanted it done in a certain way and what Pete Waterman wants he gets. What he wanted was a smooth synthesized sound on Locomotion as well as the other songs and Minot's voice double tracked. I asked them to let me use my real voice on something so they let me do that on Look My Way, one of the songs on the album Kylie pointed out. It sounds more like me than any other song on the album. Judging from Look My Way, her voice needs more power, but it does sound warmer and a little more human, unlike the team's usual impersonal fare. I wanted my voice to come through, and it doesn't, she said. I feel very removed from this album because I didn't have much say about it, and it doesn't sound like me. They did what they thought they had to do to deliver a hit, which they did, but the album still isn't me. Minogue's singing career is an accident and definitely a result of her TV soap fame. She had taken some singing lessons from a few years ago, but that was more for fun. I was really into acting, but I thought being able to sing might come in handy, she recalled. I had no plans to try to get a recording contract. 
But last year, at a benefit, she sang an impromptu version of the Locomotion. People liked it so much, they said I should record something, she said. That inspired me to make a demo. A demonstration record, that is, of Locomotion. A local label signed her, undoubtedly thinking that a single by a major pop star might get airplay. Those label execs guessed right. If Minogue hadn't been a TV star, would the single have gotten much attention, or would she have even had a chance to record it in the first place? Probably not, she said. But singing, which was a sidelight for her a year ago, has become the focus of her career. She's got out of TV now because the show was taking away time from her recording promotion duties. I can always go back to the show, she said. I'm not through with acting. I'd like to do movies next year, but singing, number one now. I really like it. I want to follow through on it. I want to get better at it. I want to get recognized as a good singer. That might mean working with producers other than Stock, Aiken, and Waterman on her next album. No decisions have been made about that just yet, she said. Now, Lee Wooten is a sweet, sweet, lovely Kylie fan. Um, you'll, if you follow Kylie on social media or if you're in any groups, you'll know or would have seen or read Lee's views. Lee, thank you so much for sending in your thoughts about the original Kylie album. I remember very well when Kylie first released her first studio album 35 years ago. I only bought it on vinyl and video back then. I was always a big Neighbours fan and loved Kylie's character. Seeing her go into music, I was really excited about it. And after listening to her first album for the first time, I knew she was going to be successful. Because let's face it, every song on her first album is amazing. My favourite song is I'll Still Be Loving You. It was funny, really, because on the front cover, I always thought she was wearing a hat, but I found out five years later it was her hair. The song I kept playing the most when I bought her first album was The Locomotion, but I will be forever grateful that Kylie released this album 35 years ago, because it brought us many brilliant studio albums of Kylie over the years. In my opinion, she's not just the best Australian act of all time, but she's the best female singer of all time, the world over, from Lee Wotton, Birmingham, United Kingdom. Bless you, Lee. You are such a beautiful Kylie fan. I always adore reading your posts about Kylie. You're one of her biggest advocates, her biggest fans. You don't let anyone get away with saying anything bad about Kylie. You are an amazing Kylie fan. Thank you. And friend of the show, Mario, is going to tell us a little bit about what it was like to hear this album for the first time as an English Kylie fan. 
Hi, I'm Mario Kiriakou and I'm from Cheer Up and I am based in the United Kingdom and my memory of Kylie Minogue's debut album Kylie, I was 10 at the time and I remember I came home from school waiting for my older brother to come back who had gone to Biosit on his way back from school from Woolworths. He got me the vinyl and he got himself the cassette. I just remember the album. I had already been familiar with I Should Be Looking, Got To Be Certain as well as The Locomotion but honestly it was 10 tracks of pure pop. It was the second album I ever got after the hit factory of Stockheek and Mormon earlier that year. And I just remember every single song just stood out. At that time, my favourites alongside the singles had to be Love at First Sight and I Miss You. Absolutely loved those tracks. They were just so pop and fluffy. For now though, I, I honestly have got to admit, Turn It Into Love is right up there. It's one of my most favourite Carly songs of all time. And my favourite single from the album has to be Got To Be Certain. And as an album, I would say Carly's debut, Carly, is probably my second favourite Carly album. Just Hand Enjoy Yourself, which to me brings back so many childhood nostalgic memories. So yeah, that's my, my input on the Carly album. Mario, you are a legend. Thank you so much for sending that through. It was so enjoyable listening to the impact that this album had on you. Can you hear the excitement in these guys' voices as they talk through what it was like? Like, it just brings back such affectionate, warm memories. And I know so many of you are thinking the same thing. If you'd like to share your story about your relationship with any pop star, be it Kylie, Madonna, Janet Jackson, I don't care. Is there a song that stands out to you right now that you want to talk about? Even if you just want to tear shreds off me, that's fine. Send us an audio clip. It will be aired. Unless you're breaking a law, we'll put it to air. So time to talk Australia at Outlook.com. All you do is pull out your phone, get the recording device, speak into it, Please don't worry about it being professional or how you sound. You're not judged for that. And send it through. And of course, a reminder that you can find Time to Talk Australia on Instagram, social media, Facebook, all over the place. I'm not so tech savvy, to be honest, but you can definitely find us there. And you can listen to the podcasts. You can stream them. It's been really fun spending some time with you. A couple of quick things before we go. Are you looking forward to the imminent tour? And what will it be called? The Tension Tour? But more immediately, we need to think about what is single number two, right? People who listen to this show will know what I want it to be. It needs to be hands, 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 where she'll be accused of mimicking Doja Cat. No question about it. But with a killer video clip, like a really sexy Kylie video clip for hands. I also love Green Light. I don't see Green Light as a single, not because it's not good enough. I just... Don't know. Hands feels like the one to me, but green light, I, I'm obsessed with green light and hands. We need to help Kylie out. What should single number two be? We know for a fact that she's already planning three singles from this album. They've all got a video planned um, with Sophie, who directed Padam Padam. So we know that there's going to be three, which is cool, but I still haven't heard enough from you. What should single number two be? Maybe I'm hearing a little bit of silence on that topic because a lot of you haven't heard any of the other tracks from Tension. So listen, thank you for spending some time with me. Our hearts are with Madonna. Please, please, Madonna's team, let us know what's going on for her. We need to know that she's okay. And in Kylie world, we'll just keep supporting you, Kylie. We'll keep supporting your wines and your tour and your padam and your Tension, your everything. We'll keep supporting you. I might even even come over and see you 
after I've finished walking around the sphere, of course. Take care, everyone. I'll speak to you soon.